Hello, and welcome to episode 8 of the PhD cast by the CBIS GPA. I'm Micah, and today I'm joined by Megan and Ahmad, and we're also joined by special guests Tosniff, Haokong, and Bowen. Could you guys introduce yourselves for us? Um, hi, yeah, I'm, I'm Tosniff, uh, last name Rahman. Uh, I'm from Bangladesh. Uh, I'm an international student, obviously. Um, and yeah, like I'm from, I went to undergrad uh, here, so that's when I moved here. Um, which might be a little different from the other guests, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, hi, uh, I'm Hao Kong. Uh, I'm originally from Beijing, China. Uh, I did my undergrad back home in China and came here for a PhD. Uh, I'm a third year PhD right now. Uh, yeah. Hi, um, I'm Bowen Wang. Um, I'm a third year PhD, uh, same as Tafniv and Hao Kong. Uh, I'm a Chinese student, and uh, I did my undergrad in China, but I had a grad school experience in Case Western Reserve University. So this is my uh, fifth year in the U.S. Awesome. And then, Ahmad, could you actually remind us where you're from? Sure, Mike. I'm actually from Jordan. I uh, did my undergrad in uh, the U.S. in Connecticut at the University of Hartford. And so and now that I'm done with RPI, I think I've been here for close to eight years in the U.S., Good deal. And so to start us off, I wanted to go over visas because I know absolutely nothing about them and they seem very complicated and awful to me. So could you guys talk about your experiences with them and how they might differ between you all? All right, uh, I guess I'll get started then. Um, so yeah, like I said, I, I moved here in uh, 2014 uh, for my undergrad. Um, and that was at the University of South Florida in Tampa, Florida. Um, so uh, most um, students in America um, are on what we call an F-1 visa. Um, so that's for um, just regular students. Um, there are other visas um, that are also for students or someone who might be at a university. Uh, those are called J-1. I'm not too familiar with how those work. Um, so, uh, back to the F1 visa, um, uh, it's, it's a non, what we call a non-immigrant visa. Um, so, uh, that's like a huge demarcation between, uh, immigrant visas and non-immigrant visas. Non-immigrant visas are temporary. Yeah, you come in for a purpose. Once you're done with that purpose, you leave, uh, very similar to, uh, the kind of visa tourists would have. Um, but uh, it's slightly different uh, in the sense that uh, it tends to be longer. Uh, that also uh, is a variable uh, depending on where you're from, uh, as I'm sure we'll hear about. Um, but uh, if you, did you guys want me to go through the process of sort of how you go about getting a visa or, um, you know, more yeah. just... If you could tell us what it was like for you, at least, especially okay. in your first time. Applying. Yeah, so, um, you know, uh, the process starts as it would for anyone else applying for college in the U.S. You apply uh, to a bunch of universities, uh, and then you wait to hear back. Uh, once you get your offers back, and then uh, you pick one, um, you have to accept that offer. And once you accept that offer, uh, that university is going to issue uh, a legal document called an I-20, um, which is the other really important document uh, other than the visa. In, in a lot of senses, uh, that's more important than your visa. Uh, and that's issued by the university that you got accepted to. Uh, it's just an official document, uh, uh, you know, setting out the timeline for your program, 
uh, also uh, what the topic of your program is, um, how you're going to get the funding for it. Uh, it has a lot of those information. Um, and it has to be signed by a designated school official uh, or, or a DSO who is uh, employed by the school, but they're trained uh, nationally and uh, they have standards. Basically, you have to have a certain amount of knowledge about um, uh, immigration law and such, uh, especially as it pertains to students. Um, and they help you go through all of the compliance requirements, uh, all of the paperwork and all of the uh, processes that you have to go through in order to uh, you know, uh, be here legally. Um, so anyway, once you get that document, uh, there's a fee you have to pay, um, and that fee basically uh, puts you in the immigration system, basically. Uh, it generates a number uh, that you originally get from your I-20, and then uh, you're basically in the system now, uh, thanks to that fee. And after that, you're able to apply for your visa. Um, and the way you do that will depend on where you're from and you know what sort of uh, diplomatic relationships the U.S. has with your country. Um, so for me, um, I had to go to this other um, uh, third sort of local office that handles all the paperwork for the U.S. Embassy. Mm -hmm. You go in there and then you fill up a bunch of forms um, and then uh, you pay them whatever the processing fee is for the visa. And then they basically process all of that and they give you an interview date. Um, and then uh, you show up for your interview date at the U.S. Embassy. Um, and, uh, you know, you have to bring all your documentation, your I-20, your passport, um, you know, proof that you got accepted to the university. Um, sometimes, uh, depending on your situation, uh, if you're not being funded by your immediate family or... Uh, there's other complications. You have to bring documentation related to all that stuff as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I want to add to that. The documentation sometimes can have to extend, like financial documentation has to extend back like five years. Yes. Uh, to it's prove not exactly, that yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's like another stable situation. Um, yeah, yeah you you're have paying to out of pocket. You have to show like financial like, like stability. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, stability. You have to actually yes. prove like show bank records. So doesn't that kind of limit who's able to? Yes. Obviously, Absolutely. right? That's limiting yeah. who's able um, to come here. If you're not able to afford uh, to go to school here, you won't be allowed to you won't get that approved. Get a visa. And that's actually something that's determined by um, the university. Uh, the university oh. has their own requirements where they want to see that you can afford to go here yeah. before they'll issue an I-20. Um, okay. So most schools uh, want to see um, a year, but I think here it's two years. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, for my school, it was a year. Um, and you have to have some sort of documentation uh, to prove that you can actually pay for that. Yeah. Um, the, and it's uh, not just tuition. It's tuition and, and an estimate like of yeah, and cost and of living and all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just the cost of going to school in yeah. the U.S. You have to be able to right. show that you can afford that. And they do a kind of thorough investigations of your family. Like yeah. you have to, I remember in the interview that they will ask you what your uh, parents do, yeah. like in, in the very detail and what their salary is. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So basically you have to you have to come prepared. Like you right. you know you can't take any chances. Like yeah. they, they might want to ask you like about a lot of uh, a range of different things and mm -hmm. you have to have at least a solid answer or even better have some documentation like proof, to yeah. show like yeah I, I have that. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah, like anyway so like just to it's a little, it's a bit of a terrifying experience, you know, dealing with US immigration uh, in general. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, it's just you know, yeah, it's just, it is just what like, it is. oh, what's gonna happen? Because there's so much writing on it, right? Yeah. Because, uh, for um, me, like being in the U.S. Embassy in Jordan, it's uh, like it's very heavily guarded on the oh, outside. Yeah. Like you are not allowed to park within like mm. a, I want to say a hundred meters, but I don't know how much that will make sense. There was like a a barrier between mm-hmm. like I think two blocks away from the embassy itself with a bunch of tanks wow. and a lot of military yeah. personnel and that's like we're actually we have really good diplomatic relations with the US yeah that's so like that's like that's a good example <laughs> Wow. And you have to stand outside. You wait outside until, like, and then you go through, like, three or four security checkpoints until you get to the interview. Yeah. And it's, like, a one-way, like, like you have, you cannot turn around yeah. if you forgot anything. You have to go <laughs> That's your chance. Yeah. You have to. Like, you have to make sure you have everything with you. That's wild. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's very, very heavily guarded and heavily, like, you know, security is crazy. It's not as back home. It's, um... We have sort of like a neighborhood, like an area where mm-hmm. there's a bunch of embassies. Right. Um, so that entire area is just heavily guarded anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there aren't too many scary checkpoints. It's kind of in the middle of the city, so it's really busy. Mm. So, uh, yeah, you just go through a checkpoint. They ask you where you're from, where yeah. you're going. Um, but once, you, once you're trying to get into the embassy itself, you can't bring anything with you other than your documentation. Yeah. Uh, you can't bring your family or anything. Just oh, you. it's just you. Yeah, so and you're and you're how old at this point? Uh, I was I was uh, yeah, eighteen going on nineteen. Um, wow. Yeah. yeah so even so if I you're just, under eighteen, even so if you're under my 18. friends who were under mm-hmm. eighteen who went That's through that, you just go in by yourself. <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't a minor, so it was a little easier. It was okay. Easier, it was easy. you know, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. So, yeah, I went in and, you know, before I went in, I was really terrified. Like, you know, yeah. how's the interview going to go? Like, what's going to happen? So I, I just went on online forums to see what other people's experiences were and things like that. And what, what I got from that was mostly, like, um, people saying, like, you just have to be confident. You just have to, like, present yourself in a positive way. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, you know, I could probably pull that off. Right, um, you have to speak English well. You could get yes. rejected for not speaking English really? well. Yes. Yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. Wow. So yeah, that's so clearly was, terrifying. And oh I feel yeah, like probably was, very stressful. It gets, it gets worse. Like, you know, uh, you have to, once you're, um, like, just the experience of being in the embassy is terrifying enough. Yeah. But you're waiting, and uh, they put you in a room, you know, with, like, these long church pews, basically, and <laughs> you're just sitting there uh, next to a whole bunch of people. Yeah. And there's, like, the interview rooms are, like, right on, on that room. There's just doors you walk into that yeah. door, and it's, like, a glass window, and there's, the, like, the scary interviewer <laughs> just behind it. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, well, the reason it's scary is because when, while you're waiting, you can hear what they're talking about. Oh, really? You can hear when someone gets rejected. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. my and, God. And, and <laughs> I was just sitting there nice. watching, like, 40 people get rejected in front of me. And That's I'm just like, horrible. Yeah, the guy next to me is like losing his mind, you know, and he's terrified. He's asking me about like, stuff, what documents I had, yeah. just to make sure like he had everything. Yeah, I, I clearly remember the girl before me because she couldn't speak English that fluently. They had some communication problem and she started crying oh, on no. site and oh, get rejected. No. Yeah, I, I remember like a time a girl in front of me, she got rejected. She doesn't understand why she got rejected. Yeah. So she refused to leave, and two security guards came and dragged her out. <laughs> oh my god! And that was right before you went in. 
Yeah. That's <laughs> <what I'm laughs> so, yeah, in Jordan, like, yes, that is, like, also, I've seen that a lot, too. But there was also, like, depending on your name, some names are flagged. Oh. Yeah, some names are flagged for a potential association with oh, any, like, cer- groups. certain groups. And, sure. uh, yeah, so if you have that name, your name's immediately flagged. <sighs> for example, my, when I traveled here to the U.S. with my younger brother... My younger brother's name was flagged for some reason. Wow. It matched some like one, some person's list, and he had to get some extra check at like the a point of entry. Oh. And so at the entry here at the U.S., like, he had to get extra check back in Jordan. Yeah. By like the Jordanian government, then as he entered the U.S. for no reason, he was like I think. 15 or 14 at the time. <laughs> okay. Clearly a hard Clearly criminal by that point, <laughs> living with you. I mean, <laughs> you'd expect that. That's so okay. So I know that obviously that's really intense, right? The whole application before you even start. But I think we were talking about it when we prepped for this episode is that depending on your country of origin, the renewal duration or the period before you have to renew your visa is different, right? right. Um, I think for y'all, or for Hao Kong and Bowen, it's one year? Yeah, it's one year. I, I actually got five-year visa. Oh, yours is five oh, years. Nice. Oh, lucky, a, never mind. That's the first time I've heard about that from China. <laughs> I thought it was uh, generalized, yeah. Okay, so then maybe Hao Kong, you can talk about how stressful it is potentially going home for winter break or like having to deal with, in the middle of grad school, having to renew your visa. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the general procedure of applying for a visa in China is, uh, well, the procedure is similar to what Tasa talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you gather materials, you schedule appointment online, and you go through the interview. Um, in China, well, obviously because of tension between U.S. and Chinese government, the uh, application of visas are kind of difficult mm-hmm. like right now especially uh, for uh, graduate education sure i think it's, it's still fine for undergrads mm-hmm. uh, you you can still get a five-year visa okay uh but for, oh, so it's different for undergrad and yeah, grad. yeah it's different oh, okay. for undergrads okay. um before like graduate students masters or phd usually you can only get like one year visa and that whether you can whether or not you can get that one year visa depends on what major Oh. Yeah, the uh, the major is very important. Okay. So um, the reason I got five-year visa is that uh, the master I got, uh, I was in mechanical engineering degree. Yeah. So in that uh, major, it's easier for me. Um, but if you um, uh, get somehow related to biology, that's slightly more difficult. Oh, um, if you interesting. If you get uh, more attached to, like, uh, nuclear physics, that's super difficult for you to uh, oh. get any visa. Wow. Yeah. Also, uh, things like CS. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that kind of thing. It will be like super hard to get. Interesting. Um, also, it depends on. So if you did your undergrad in China, it depends on which school you went to. Mm, uh, okay. For me, it's because my undergrad has it's basically on the uh, restriction list of the U.S. government because it has some military background. Oh. Um, so I think uh, when Trump was still the president, we're on the list that oh. like all students graduate from the school is banned. Right. To get a, like a, a visa for graduate study. Okay. In the U.S. Right now, I think that that restriction is lifted. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, for us, the uh, 
when you apply for a F1 visa for graduate study, you go to, you get your material, go to the interview. Usually you, you go to the interview, but they won't actually interview you.、Mm. So I had like th- three times that I went there. I just say hello and the guy points to a, like a list on the window, like give me these documents. And I just gave him the document and then he's like, okay, well, let you know. Goodbye.、Oh. Yeah, so, so, yeah, something like that actually, but to add on to the story. So, I had to renew my visa at the beginning of grad school, and、okay. it was after, like, about a year after the Muslim ban happened and everything.、Oh, my country was not on the Muslim ban countries, but it was but, like in the middle of all of them,、yeah. so that didn't help.、Um, <laughs> so,、yeah. um, I went to, I scheduled everything online. I renewed my passport in the US, which is actually harder to do. And cost me like four times as much. I'm doing、oh. that now. It's, it's not fun. It's I never even thought it. about it that. It actually depends on your country, how they deal、mm-hmm. with it, because you're paying your country to renew your yeah. passport. Yeah, so. so you pay your country, and you know, if you know the right people, it gets, you know. It can be a little faster. It can be a little faster. <laughs> yeah, same. It was a little faster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least for me.、Uh, so that was like a three month process. That's a little faster to renew it here in the US. And so I renewed it so that I don't have, so that I, my time in Jordan is only reserved for like renewing my renewal. visa and everything. I got the appointment, I got everything ready. Everything was sent the next day I, I arrived in Jordan. They called me a week after. They're like, oh, okay, well, yeah, we know you have travel plans on this day. You were gonna in, we're, gonna, we're not gonna interview you before it, we're just gonna delay it three days、wow. after. No reason, no nothing. I was like, I called and tried to get it back to like, you know, the original date that it was. Like, no. I actually got threatened by, a, I think it was a Jordanian intelligence officer, that if I called the embassy again, they would have canceled my visa. And yeah, I got threatened that I called the embassy too much. Oh. And、um, I knew he wasn't American because of his accent. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's mostly American citizens who work at yeah, the embassy.、Right. So it's like you, you can tell. And so、um, when I went for the interview, I said, Hi, here are my documents. He's like, Oh, why are you even interviewing? We should have just accepted yours immediately. It was just,、so、it was just a waste for of time. no reason. It actually、oh, yeah. cost me about like $1,500 in like fees to renew、oh, my plane、gosh. and everything. Wow. And, And unfortunately, like, you know, looking back at grad school, I was like, well, you're still,、uh, I was still a first year. And so I was asking for my first vacation. For me, it felt weird to ask for a vacation after that because, well, well I kind of spent this much time. Yeah, well, I spent more time. And so it made me feel awkward about it, but also kind of created a mistrust. Yeah. Like, was I actually fabricating the fact that my visa got delayed? Because there is no proof.、Mm-hmm. There's no. Documented, like there are no emails, there's nothing. I asked for emails, I asked for something so I can provide the RPI.、Mm-hmm. Nothing. They will refuse to give any paperwork whatsoever that your interview was delayed. So I know we've talked about this, Ahmad, about like being delayed when you go home, especially around a visa renewal or in general traveling to a different country when you're on a visa, right?、Um, have any of y'all had to deal with that since you've started grad school where you've gone home? El- I, I know some of you guys, I guess, have not gone home since you've started either. But in general, how has that been traveling back home during grad school or not traveling back home? And is that like a stressful time for y'all? Well,、uh, for me, because my visa is expiring soon. And、uh, right. during this time, I just in general won't 
consider the option of going home. For that Especially, reason, right? Yeah. The tra traveling is pretty difficult right now. Mm, yeah. Especially with the pandemic. Yeah. I do want to mention something. The visa gets you in uh, into the U.S. The I-20 keeps you in the U.S. Yeah. Oh, the so that's that distinction that with the document. Okay. And so, like, we, we can't stay, stay on an expired visa yeah. as long as the I-20 is As long is as the I-20 is active. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I didn't, actually still, didn't know that. I'm still on my visa that I got for my undergrad. Undergrad, right? Yeah, so I... I don't know if you guys want to get into it, but there's a long story why I had to renew my visa halfway through my undergrad, and uh, then they gave me another five-year visa. Oh, uh, which is why it's so still now active it's, now. Yeah, okay. Going into 2021, it'll uh, expire this year. So if I go back home, I'll have to renew it. Right. <laughs> Good luck. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think I, I went back home like twice. Yeah, that's I right. After I got here, like uh, first year when I got here, the next year. Mm -hmm. um, I have to renew visa every time because they only gave me one year. Right. Um, it was, a, well, I'll, I'll say, biggest decision of the year. Yeah. About whether you're gonna go home or not. Right. Um, so, what I did is basically I scheduled my appointment this, the next day after my arrival. Oh right. At home. So you got you're like monitoring that. You're yeah. Like... So I, I arrive at home, I sleep. And then go to the embassy right, yeah. like the next morning, and go go Jet for it. Yeah, <laughs> because like for uh, mostly PhDs, for is gonna take like at least a month uh, to they give you a decision. Yeah, just, like, so there's a chance you could stay at home for a month or over My a month. My lab mate was stuck in China for two months without a visa. <laughs> so so like. Depending on your advisor, right? Some advisors are more aware of immigration and visas, yeah. right? Especially if they themselves had to deal with that. Mm -hmm. But some are not, right? I feel like they're not super aware of the visa thing. So how do they deal with the fact that you might have to be home for a month or two in order to renew your visa? I don't know if that's relevant for y'all or if you've heard of, of stories. All of PIs had to deal with that themselves. Oh, yeah. Right? Duh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah all of so... y'all's PIs have. So I, was, I was talking to Leo like last time before I go back home. Yeah. You just say... I know there's possibility that you might be delayed for yeah. I don't know how long, but like that's your decision. If you decide to go, I, I won't keep you. So that's probably yeah. nice then, right? To yeah, have yeah. PIs that understand the struggle of yeah, having yeah, to be so on a, yeah. a I student visa. Like, <laughs> yeah, you haven't. But uh -huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, for me, um, in the first year, uh, in my individual meeting with my advisor, I had to clearly tell him that. Um, during some time, some point of my PhD, I may want to go home once or twice, but this is, is the fair. procedure that we have to go through, yeah. and he was very understand, understanding of, about all that. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. That makes it a little easier, right? Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> like for like right now, um, I think at least uh, before September, it will be impossible to get a visa in, uh, in China. Because oh, all the yeah. all the embassies are closed. Uh, oh. The earliest date they can schedule appointment, I think, is uh, September fourth. Okay. And only in embassy in Guangzhou. Uh, in other embassies, is not there. Back up quite yeah, it's to be. Yeah, because of everything yeah. from the last year. They still haven't even <gasps> opened the embassy in Jordan. Really? Yeah, there's no. You cannot get a visa, even if you have an offer or anything like that. You cannot get a visa so, to the U.S. I guess another clarification question. So if your visa does expire before that, 
but your other paperwork is still active, it's fine, right? Uh, how long does how long do those last? Yeah, you have to stay those here. Last until the end of the program duration. Oh, okay, okay. So, so y'all are PhD, covered if you don't go home. Yeah. So a PhD okay, is yeah. said like at RPI, there's a limit which is seven years. Oh, so, so they the give you seven years. Is for seven years. They were trying to change that actually. The last administration was, oh. um, yeah, because uh, I worked with IEEE and trying yeah. to get some of that information out there. I triple S, by the way, is the International Student Office here at our university. Yes, just to yeah, yeah. So the, yeah, yeah, the, the International Student Office. Um, you know, we were working with them to try to get some of that information out, and they were actually trying to make it so that um, if you had to, for whatever reason, extend your I twenty, mm-hmm. um, maybe another semester or a year. Um, that decision usually uh, was on the universities. They would just issue a new I-20 yeah. with an extended, you know, uh, uh, program period yeah. uh, and whatnot. And it was uh, the university's dis- uh, uh, responsibility to make sure that uh, you're actually extending that for uh, a proper reason, mm-hmm. right? Um, but what the proposed rule would do was give that authority to... Um, the administration oh. so uh, some government agency would make that decision uh, so that would do two things one they don't really understand the needs of yeah, the students or the program right. exactly um, and two um, it's a government organization and it's gonna be inefficient like they're yeah. gonna be backlogged there's so yeah. many students right uh, so hopefully that's not <laughs> gonna be a thing anymore because you know the administration changed but yeah um, the other thing that they were trying to do uh, affect the Chinese students in particular is that you know that list that he mentioned mm-hmm. um, it's actually just any <laughs> any organization that w- has affiliations with or works with the Chinese government yeah so that's basically all organizations in China like you know universities yeah. major universities and right. you know, major companies where an engineering student in particular would, you know, work or do yeah. an internship or whatever. But if you had any affiliation with any organization that has any affiliation with the Chinese government, uh, you wouldn't be allowed to come to the U.S., basically. Or That's there so would be many additional people. restrictions. That's so many that. potential students, isn't it? Yeah. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, they, they tried to do a lot of those things and they tried to, uh, when COVID started, they tried to uh, keep uh, international students out. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, a lot of the big universities yeah, got that's together right. that and, was you know, a wild. filed yeah. a bunch of lawsuits and right. were like, no. Yeah, um, that, so, that was a crazy time. Cause yeah, I, yeah, we were all terrified. Mm-hmm. I actually had to contact, <laughs> like, uh, my program director. Yeah. And just, I, I remember all of us freaking out because we were like, that's so many people that we know that yeah. could potentially just be kicked out. Yeah. Yeah, like if you like, for me, that was like right. less than a year before my defense. Yeah, and right. So. You were almost done. I remember like we were thinking about ways we can make fake classes that people had to attend so that they could stay. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. justification was that if you're not doing classes in person, then why do you need right, to be what here? Right. What does dissertation mm-hmm. mean? They need to go. Right, and, yeah. yeah. So it's ridiculous. Like we have leases signed, and yeah, like, you right. know, like you're, we live here. You're so approved, just like, and you're supposed yeah. to be here. Yeah. I think it's like the active I-20s and like being mm-hmm. inside the country and like yeah. paying your, like we have to, we have to file our taxes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. You know, that's like a requirement to maintain right. your F-1 status. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. have to file your taxes. That's and so like we have, we pay it, we pay our taxes, we file everything. If you, if you're doing all the paperwork right, then there's, there should be no issues. There should be right? no yeah. issues. Yeah. There. Wow. But, huh. So kind of to jump off of one of the points with like the lawsuits 
by the bigger, bigger universities. Is there something like you look towards any university to do to help support you better? Or is there something specifically you'd like to see changed? Um, so that again depends on the university. Like yeah. I've had vastly yeah. different experiences as an international student uh, here mm-hmm. versus my, uh, um, you know, uh, undergrad. Um, my undergrad was in more of a di- larger city, you know, in Florida, and like it's in, g- in generally the community is more diverse. Uh, it also attracts a lot more international students uh, in general because it's a bigger school. Um, so with that comes a lot of resources that have been developed over time, uh, specifically geared towards international students and a bunch of like you know programs and like. Uh, you know, there's just there's just a lot more of international students. There are a lot we're a lot more engaged right. uh, in campus life. Uh, so that is something that always helps. Like uh, the more uh, you can get international students to engage within the campus, the easier it is going to be for all for international students right. to fit in because mm-hmm. uh, more people become aware of uh, international student issues. Right. But also, international students themselves become more aware of what's going on. Uh, within campus. I guess that's even more difficult as a grad student because you're so, you know, focused on your work all the time. Your work, yeah. But uh, in terms of, like, dealing with things of this nature, like uh, policies and things Mm -hmm. uh, that affect international students' ability to be in the United States, there's not much the universities can do, really, because they can't really control federal policy. Right. Um, But what they can do is be better about like sending out that information um, and making sure any like uh, decisions that they don't agree with, they make an effort to sort of combat that, like this these big universities. Yeah, did in like protect their international. Yeah, using students, their right? resources to sort of use mm-hmm. the legal. Um, yeah. I feel like I'm rambling, but you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a very good thing to do. Like Harvard and MIT, I think, and a yeah, bunch of sued, other schools right? yeah. got together, and yeah, I mean, they and that solved it honestly. Around, so. That was the thing that really stopped that from actually yeah. taking yeah. place. You do have to keep in mind that international students bring, bring a lot of revenue oh, yeah. into, the, of into all oh, yeah. universities. It's a huge line of revenue yeah. for every single, like especially for private institutions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they you cannot discount. Money. They need that. Uh, you know, rent money for mm-hmm. on campus like, housing. Just mm-hmm. for our campus specifically, forty percent of our graduate student population is, is international. international. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, so, forty to we, fifty, it fluctuates every year. Yeah, but it's in that range. Which I think is more than the percentage of women in, in our graduate programs, which is Probably. always crazy to think about. But <laughs> we're an engineering school, so what can we do? That's um. also true. <laughs> well, there's things we can do, but <laughs> we're not doing <laughs> yes, them. Yes, thank you. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Um, in general, I don't think there's too much the university can do for us mm-hmm. because if we were, we would like to file for an I twenty extension, there's no so much not so much obstacle from the university side, but right. more on the side of the government agency. But right. if we can have more awareness um, for the inter- international student community, yeah. we may be able to see more um, more uh, occasions where like Harvard and MIT, they mm-hmm. get aligned together to maybe change some of the policies that we don't yeah. have a control of. 
That would actually be nice. Some policy changes regarding immigration. Make it slightly easier. easier. Um, slightly yeah, well, I mean, slightly less complicated with paperwork and logistics, yeah, right? Whenever you get politics involved, like, you it's know, you, national politics, that's just a whole can of worms. It that, is. It is. You know. <laughs> very difficult it's, for students to you know do much about yeah yeah, yeah. especially international students yeah. like yeah. you know we're just trying to not get kicked out mostly <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah let's see i feel like we this was a solid chunk of an episode that i think we can just stop here for this yeah, episode okay. all right i'm gonna give my spiel <laughs> okay so that's going to wrap us up on episode 8 of the PhD cast. If you're interested in a specific topic or have questions you'd like us to answer, please email us at cbisgpa at rpi.edu or message us on social media. We have Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And with that, we hope all your protocols are repeatable and that all your differences are significant. See ya.